to RVC. Uh, for all you virtual people out there, welcome. Uh, we've got a couple announcements today. Uh, first off, uh, Stacy woke up not feeling well this morning, uh, which is why she's facing Lafayette here. So if you can please keep Stacy in our prayers, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Um, next, we have uh, Operation Christmas Child, just as a reminder that uh, we're still doing uh, workshops for that. We had a workshop yesterday. starting the 1st of October. His first sermon uh, will be October 4th, and we're looking forward to that. Thank you for uh, coming, and we're uh, glad to have you. Um, I'd also like to say that we have men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies going on. The women's Bible study is Tuesday
one of the slums in the capital city, Nairobi. I am Kulule Ajaya from Kenya. My family situation was very humbling because we had very little material possession. We hardly could afford food. And being a dark, very black boy, we were even instructed not to come to you, you know. We used to stink, you know, as kids. And uh, maybe they thought when we say even hi to us, it was like leprosy on us. So they thought even by saying hi, they would get it. So as, as a child, I grew up seeing myself as a leper. You know, when you're bullied and you are shouting, when other kids will not even come to touch you, I am humble and I'm thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ for He has preserved me. The days I used to go hungry, the days that I felt like I needed to go steal, but something in me would tell me, hold on, hold on just a little bit longer. Everything will be okay. Everything is okay. Christmas was a, a day that it was a day that reminded you how forgotten you are. It was a day where you felt that more than any other day. So the year 1995 is a year we can never forget. We used to have a pastor, his name was Pastor Mark. And when he was building the church, he used to work there in exchange of food. The 24th of December, he came by to my to our church. He came with these big three brown boxes. And as he was sleeping there, the boxes were there close to me. And Mama had instructed me not to touch them. You know, when Mama tells you not to touch something, you grasp it. But Mama had not instructed me not to look at what I had come to know was the logo. This logo, which had a, a box and this mighty wings, you know, was there. Was there with me. I kept looking at it. But that logo that day made me want to be a pilot. It made me want to fly. So that night, I was up the whole night flying this plane, taking gifts to poor children like me in various corners of the world. So the next day, we went to church, and I don't remember what the sermon was because my mind and my heart was backwards because we were given the gift after the service. When my time came and I was handed my gift, I went on the side. And as I opened up, in there, there was a flashlight. And at night, as I could light my way through the slums, it made me feel like a leader. You see, I had a light, you know, I could see, you know, when nobody else could see, you know, because it was always very dark. So these items really lighted up my way, but it was contagious, so contagious. That light I felt in my heart. The 
logos very powerful because it started me in a yet as a boy who could not pray. But I had seen something that had made me want to do something for the first time. And 14 years later, I found myself on a plane coming to United States to pursue that dream of becoming a pilot so that I could fly a plane and take gifts all over the world to share with all the poor children. As I came to state, I got a four-year degree, though I did not finish flight school. But as I went back home, things became even tougher. I could not find work. I started feeling very sorrowful. As I was feeling very so sorrowful, I went to my mother. My mother reminded me, asked me, when you were in America, son, did you find the people who gave you the gifts for Christmas to thank them? I felt very bad because this logo had pushed me to become who I am, but I had not even taken a moment to find where that generosity, where that light that had filled me and driven me had come from. I kept remembering the pastor who brought the box, the boxes at home, I called where he was staying, and he told me, no, the people who helped you are called the Samaritan first. I felt a big load had been taken off my back. All I wanted to come and tell the Samaritan family that how they saved my life. The influence on that box, I don't know who sent it. But yet somebody somewhere was loving me. I was curious to find that person who was loving me so much to care for me. I wanted to know, and I wanted to find those people who helped me to thank them. On behalf of the millions and millions of people which this organization has touched, either directly or indirectly, and to be given that opportunity to go and stand in the proximity of all these people. That's all I wanted to say, to say thank you, thank you. And as I have now reflected, I am so happy. That love that shared in that box was so contagious because through that love, I was able to find the greatest love that a man or human being can ever find. The love from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
this is the first time you've ever seen me raise your hand. Above all else, guard your heart. I labored and prayed much on what to bring you this Sunday and next Sunday. And this is what God has given me to give to you, this church. Once you turn with me to Proverbs 4, it's there in your syllabus, verses 20 to 27. Now, I would like to do, some, do something different this morning. Would you please stand with me in reverence to God's Word as we read this passage of Scripture? Believe it or not, that's exactly what Israel did every time the word was opened and read. He said, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings, and do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Now, I want you to remember this word heart as we read in this passage of Scripture. Every place that you see this word heart, remember it. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Can the church say amen? You may be seated. I used to watch Steve Irvin, the crocodile hunter on TV, whenever I had a chance. And so many times I thought for sure that he would be fatally bitten by a snake or crushed and killed by a crocodile or mauled to death by, by some wild beast. And it was a shock and surprise to me, as it was to a lot of people, to learn how he died. Steve Irvin, through facing danger daily, made a point to, to extremely alert and, and guard his body from any surprise attacks from the animals and the things that he encountered. If you want area that, that he thought would not be vulnerable was the most vulnerable of all. It was not his limbs or his head, but his heart that was unprotected. And the 44-year-old Irwin's heart was pierced by a serrated poison spine of a stingray, and that's where he died. I want to bring you three things this morning. The significance or the importance of the heart, the attack of the heart, and the conditions of the heart. The word instructs us in verse 23 to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. And, and the other, In other words, guard your heart above all else for it impacts everything that you do. He's not talking about this physical organ. 
that's in your chest. But the heart is referring to the core of the individual, his intellect, his emotions and will. It's talking about his mind. So when you go back to read the, in chapter 4 of Proverbs, those few, few verses there, we find that the heart there is talking about what you think, your thought process. There are two words I want to, to use today for the heart in the Old Testament. It's lib and labad, meaning the thought and the thought process of man. In the New Testament, the word is cardia also meaning the thought and thought process of a man. The first part I want to bring is the significance or the importance of your heart. Guarding, see, guarding your heart or your mind is more important than anything else that you do in life. Your physical heart determines how your body can do or cannot do things. The further you go up in age, your heart becomes to a part to where your mind says you can, and your body says, no, you can't. Yeah, I've seen a lot of yeses out there, and I'm one of them. Likewise, your spiritual heart will determine what you can and what you will do spiritually and eternally. Heart is used in the Scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. It, it is part of our being where our desires and our deliberations and our des- uh, what we decide, it has been described as the place of conscious and the place of decisive spiritual activity. The comprehensive term of a person as a whole, his feelings, his desires, his passions, his thoughts, his understanding, and his will. Why? Because it is the center. This word is the center of a person. It is the place to which God can turn. You are what your heart is, the Bible says. It's found in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, said he to you, but his heart is not with you. In Proverbs 17:19, he says that as in water, faith reflects faith. So a man's heart, his mind, reveals that man. I guarantee you, what you think in your heart, that's what you're going to do. What you think in your mind, that's what you're going to do. Because out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, out of the abundance of the mind, the mouth speaks. When, when I had my stroke in, in, two, in, in 2005, and, they, and they, they taught me how to speak again. The speech therapist spent three days with me, three hours a day for six weeks. He said, I want you to think it in your mind and then form it, form your mouth and then speak it with your mouth. Well, that was pretty good for a while. As a matter of fact, I never, when I had to do that, I never one time stuck my foot in my mouth, Pastor Joshua. It was good. I think that's what we all need to do is take three seconds before we open our mouth and say something. This is yes. This is no. That's why God says that He looks at the heart and not the external appearance. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, He says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at His appearance or at His height, 
or his statue because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the... And that word there is Rabab. He looks at his mind. He looks at his, his thought process. And when, we, when he looks at this listen to me. You can't do anything. You can't say anything without thinking first. Hello? You can't do it. That's why it's important that our heart and our mind is in line and in tune with God's Word. Because if we get out of tune with God's Word and get in tune with the world, we'll not, we'll not do what God wants us to do. We'll do what the world wants us to do. If our heart That's where the sin will emerge. In Matthew 15, verses 17 to 19, it says, Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, come from the cardia, the thoughts of man. And they defile a man. For out of the heart, again, the word cardia is used there, proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witnesses, blasphemy. Listen to me. They had to think about it first before they did it. Are you understanding that? That's why he's saying that here. What you put in your mouth, that's not, that's not what's going to defile you. What comes out of your mouth, that's what defiles you. You've got to think about it first, y'all. Jeremiah 17, 19 is a very verse that, that Pastor confirmed this message with this morning. And if it says, the heart, the lead, the heart is deceitful above all things. Listen to me. When your mind is out of tune with God, it's going to be deceitful. And he goes on to say, it's deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? Only God. Look, it, 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 is, it is believing with the heart that one receives God's gracious salvation. It's, listen, I, I say this everywhere I go. Don't you listen to what I'm saying? When the mind is saved, are you listening to me? When the mind is saved, when you have this thing here in tune with God and with God's Word, you are going to live the righteous life. Why? Because when your mind is saved, everything about you is saved. What you do, what you say, how you act, what you, where you go, what, everything that you read, everything you watch, everything you do, when you have your mind saved and your heart is completely in tune and in line with God, everything about you is going to be saved. Somebody say amen. Said over in Romans 10, part of the Roman road. Verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your where, y'all? But he's talking about what? Right here. It's talking about the cardia, your mind. 
and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I said it a while ago. When your mind is saved, everything about you is saved. For it is by believing in your cardia, mind, that you are made right with God. Again, that goes back to what I said. When your mind is saved, everything about you is saved. That you are made right with God and it is confessed with your mouth that you are saved, then guess what? You're saved. Because when your mind is saved, Everything about you is saved. Your mouth is saved. Your walk is saved. What you do, what you say, where you go, how you act. Everything about you. Why? Because then you go back to, it's going to be the last verse of this sermon. You go back to Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. That's where your mind will be. That's where your mind will be. Why do I, why do I say because Because what's your mind Within your mind will come out of your mouth. I said, within your mind is going to come out of your mouth. I, that's why I tell people when, when they say, oh, I, I'm sorry, I really didn't, didn't, didn't mean that. When they say something bad to you or bad to somebody else, you're lying. You had to think of it first before you said it. Amen? Okay, I just want to make sure of that. And then we have the attack on the heart. In Acts 5, 3, it says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? And I guarantee you, Satan, Satan is out to get you every way, shape, or form. And, and if you're not careful, if you, if you don't guard your heart, above all else, guard your heart, you're going to do things that are, that are contrary to the Word of God. This is yes. This is no. This is that ain't it. But it's true. It's true. John three thirteen two says, and, and supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Christ, to betray him. Guard your heart. You see, there's a war being fought in this world today. There really is. And it's a supernatural war. And it's fought between God and the devil. It's fought between heaven and hell. And guess what? It's being fought for your very heart. Your mind. Luke twenty two thirty one says, And the Lord said, I mean, how many believers that better than the devil than Peter? Any of you? Well, Luke twenty two thirty one, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Well, he has sift you too. If he yes, if he no, it's just not a sift. You knew me. I wonder why I do this. I teach. I, I I preach to three types of people. Only three. Pastor Josh teaches to only three types of people. Any 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 any. Minister that comes up to this, this pulpit teaches to only three types of people believers, non believers, and make believers. That's why I say if you yes, if you no, you can let them sit. 
the conditions of the heart. Now, in the real world, in a cardiologist's office, that you will hear the term, listen to me, hardening, look, look at your syllabus, hardening of the arteries, heart murmurs, congestive heart failure, hypertension, heart blockage, enlarged heart. You'll hear all of these terminologies. Well, I've turned these terminologies to spirituality. The first thing is hardening of the arteries, cold and indifferent. Hebrews 4, 7 says, Again, he designated a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Now, I've told this story before here in, in, in the past five months. I don't even know exactly when I've told the story, but I love it because Ken Crockett said that when he first enrolled in, in seminary, he found an apartment right next to a railroad crossing, and he wondered why the apartment rent was so cheap. Well, he found out the very first night, and a train came through in the middle of the night, blasting the thorn. It didn't just wake him up. It almost gave him a heart attack. Every night when the train came through, it blew its horn, and at first he thought about moving, but then he started getting used to the nightly awakening, and he would wake up for a few moments and go right back to sleep. Eventually, he got to where the train didn't bother him at all. He had hardened his heart to the train, and he couldn't hear it anymore. Well, the same hardening process, thanks, occurs when God speaks to our hearts, and we don't Eventually, we stop hearing His voice, and because our hearts become hardened to what He's saying. And you can say, Amen, or O me, because what you are saying is truth. Amen? Proverbs 28.15 says, Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall, will fall into calamity. Why? Because you're not following the edict and commandments of God. You're following and then we have heart murmurs. And I, I, I labeled it complaining. Hello? Okay. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing. A typical American family was driving home from church one Sunday. Dad was fussing about the sermon, beginning too long and sort of boring. I hope that's not today. Mom said she thought that the organist played too loudly during the second hymn. They sang. I just want to remind well, he's already gone. Oh, there he is back there. And uh, Sis, who was a music major in college, said she thought that the soloist sang about a half note off key during most of her song. Grandma said she would, couldn't hear very well since they were sitting toward the back. And as they pulled into the driveway, little Willie, who had listened to all of this, started to fuss about the woman who sat in front of him with a big hat. And he paused and he nudged his dad and said, Well, the dad, it got him yet. It was a pretty good show for that dollar you put me off on. John 6.43 says these words of Jesus, Therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourself. You see, in Exodus 16, the children of Israel murmured against God. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. 
In Exodus 16, 3, it says, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> Evidently, they forgot that they were slaves. You see, grumbling was and is the result of lack of vision and lack of faith, y'all. They saw only death as it says in verse 3 as a prospect. Keyword on sin. Grumbling against God's appointed leaders is grumbling against God. Grumbling against God's appointed leaders is grumbling against God. Not against Him. Exodus 16.2 says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And verse 8 on down the line says, Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to, to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against Him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Now, I want you all to remember that every time you grumble and complain, okay? You're not grumbling and complaining against the people. You're grumbling and complaining against God. That means that you're not satisfied with what God is doing in your life. Hello? Say amen over me. Okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 10 says, Now these things became our example. What happened back then, Paul writes to the Corinth to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drank and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. God doesn't like complainers. Are you hearing me? Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by the serpent. Again, God doesn't like complainers. Nor complain, as some of them also complain, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Again, God doesn't like complainers. And then we have congested heart failure. And I call this one lethargy. Congested heart failure is a life-threatening condition in which the heart loses the ability to pump enough blood to the rest of the body. And when heart failure, with this heart failure, many organs don't receive the oxygen and nutrients that they should, which damages them and reduces their ability to function properly. Well, guess what? The same happens spiritually. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In 1 Corinthians 12.26, And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. When you have lethargy in the church, everybody suffers. 
Are you understanding that? Then we have hypertension. And I call this anger and super sensitivity. In this little story, I believe that anger was justified. A do-it-yourself catalog firm received the following letter from one of its customers. He said, I built a birdhouse according to your stupid plan. And not only is it much too large, it keeps growing out of the tree. Fine. Unhappy. Well, the firm replied, Dear unhappy, we're sorry about the mix-up. We accidentally sent you blueprints for a sailboat. But if you think you're unhappy, you should read the letter from a guy who came in last in the yacht club regatta. I believe one of the seven deadly sins, anger is, is possibly the most humorous. And I found this. It's called Lick Your Wounds. And I want you to listen to me every time you become angry and you want to be vindictive. Because this is very unique. He says, to lick your wounds is to smack your lips over grievances long past. To roll over your tongue the, the prospects of bitter confrontation still to come. To savor the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are given back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. However, the chief drawback is this that what you are wolfing down is yourself. And the skeleton that the feast is you. Think about that. Mandela, he was getting off the train. The reporter says, well, are you going after your enemies? Mandela said, no, I have forgiven them. He said, forgiven them? Why? He says, why? To be vindictive. It's like me drinking poison and hoping it kills them. That's what it is, y'all. The Bible tells me that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Just give it to God. Amen? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Let me ask you this. Everybody look at me. How many here have been forgiven of Christ? Of Christ? Raise your hand. Raise your mouth. Don't be bad. I'm going to get the truth out of you over there. Here you go. He says to forgive as you have been forgiven. It doesn't take rocket science, people. And I guarantee you, every one of us has been forgiven of his sin. Hello? Okay. Then E, heart blockage. I call this stubbornness and resistance to the Holy Spirit. In 1937, architect Frank Lloyd Wright built a house for the industrial Hibbert Johnson. And one rainy evening, Johnson was entertaining distinguished guests for dinner when the roof began to leak. The water seeped through directly above Johnson himself and steadily landed on his bald head. And a raid he called right in Phoenix, Arizona. He says, Frank, he said, you built this beautiful house for us and we enjoy it very much, but I have told you time and again, uh, time and time again that the, that the roof leaks. And right now, he says, I am entertaining distinguished guests and it's leaking right on top of my head. Well, Wright replied, 
And when he was heard by all the guests, he said, well, Hib, you see, quit being stubborn and just use your kid. Remember that dog I told you about that was howling in the store that was laying in the soccer bar? Is why he'd be howling all the time? Because he's laying in his way while you move. We need Brother Hall. Sometimes we Brother Hall. We got stubborn. This is yes. This is no. <laughs> Psalms 81, verses 11 and 12 says, But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsel. Mm. I don't want to walk in my counsel, Lord. I've, I've tried that before. It ain't work. I don't know about y'all. Second Timothy three eight nine says now and James and James resisted Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress not further. For their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. Listen to me. You can't win when you walk out of step with God. You just can't win. And then we have the enlarged heart. Proverbs 28, 25 says, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. He who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. I, I overheard one time it says he's impossible to get along with. Well, do you think he's impossible to get along without? And that's a lot of people today feel like they, you know, they, you know, we can't, we can't do without me. I'm nothing, and you're nothing without God. You hear me? I'm nothing, and you're nothing without God. But this God also is. Proverbs 16, 8 through 5 says, For destruction and hearty spirit is for a fall. It's a minister and a boy scout and a computer expert. But all the only part happened is that they saw a plane, and the pilot came back to the cabin and said that the plane was going down and there were only three parachutes and four passengers. Well, the pilot said, I should be, I have one of the parachutes because I have a wife and three children. So he took one and jumped. The computer weird said, well, I should have one of the parachutes because I am the smartest man in the world and the world can't do without me. So he took one and jumped. Well, the minister turned to the Boy Scout and with a sad smile said, young man, you are young, and I have lived a rich life. So you take the remaining parachute, and I'll go down with the plane. Well, the boy scout said, relax, Reverend. The smartest man in the world picked up my backpack and jumped. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone proud in heart. James 4.6 says that he 
gives more grace if we say, God, resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God.
say, Father, I thank you. You have allowed me to hear your word this morning. I pray, Father, that you let me not develop any of these hearts with evil. Father, help me to guard my heart that I may be that light. Pastor, I love this. 